Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and in today's episode, we're talking with Laura Roeder. Laura is the founder of Edgar. It's a social media automation tool designed to prevent status updates from ever going to waste. And she's given talks at conferences like Blogger and South by Southwest. And she's spoken about the value of independent entrepreneurship at the White House. She's also appeared in Forbes, Fast Company, Mashable, CNET, and all kinds of other major publications. And uh, I'm really excited, uh, Laura, to have you here on The Unstoppable CEO today. Welcome. Thank you, Steve. I'm happy to be here. So just to give everybody a little bit of, of context, can you talk a little bit about the journey you've been through so far that's kind of gotten you to this point? Yeah. So I was just actually realizing the other day, this is my 10th year as an entrepreneur. I'm like, oh, I should, I should write a blog post or something. I should uh, <laughs> commemorate this. So this is my 10th year working for myself full time. Um, it's been a very gradual journey over those 10 years going from being a freelance designer to um, now a CEO. You know, this role at Meet Edgar, um, our team is about 30 people. This is the first company that I've had where I've had the opportunity to be a true CEO of, of a team. So um, it's, you know, it's still a learning experience for me, for sure. Edgar's been around for about three and a half years now. So yeah, I started out as a freelance designer, moved into doing social media consulting work, and then social media training. Um, and now I have a social media software company. You know, that that journey is one that uh, an awful lot of people look at right now as the kind of growth path start off mm -hmm. in freelancing and then maybe build some products and then move into software. And, um, and, and you've really, uh, from the outside anyway, made that, that process look pretty uh, smooth and, and pain-free. But I'm sure there were oh, some yeah, challenges. Oh, yeah, I've had no problems Yeah, it was ever. all just right, straight line, right? <laughs> um, so what are some of the things that you've had to, to draw on over the years to, to push through when things didn't quite go your way? Yeah, I mean... So, I mean, there's a few things that I like to think about. One is truly staying present to what's happening right now, I think is it always, always makes you feel better, right? Because when we're upset, when we're thinking about everything that's going wrong, it's amazing how many of those things are fantasies in our head, either about what's going to happen, what other people are thinking, what other people's motivations are, you know. Um, it's, it's really, when you look at a problem with your company, you can really start to spin out of like, oh, it's all, you know, it's all going to go wrong. It's all going to go downhill now that this thing has happened and really just going back to like, okay, what's, what's happening right now? One, am I alive? Do I have my health? You know, do I have my family? And then even looking at what's going on with the company, it's like, okay, did everyone quit? Did we lose all of our customers? You know, that's luckily I haven't been in those situations. Those situations can happen <laughs> sometimes too. Um, but, but it's not the end of the world. Right. And yeah, just focusing on like, okay, what's actually happening right now? What do I actually know to be true? Not stories I'm making up about other people. That's very grounding for me. Yeah, I think that's so critical. And, and we do that. We, mm. it's funny, we look at the outside world. I heard uh, Dan Sullivan on a podcast uh, last week talk about this. He's like, everybody's walking around doing this comparison in their head. You're comparing all of the trash in your life and in your business and everything that you see behind the scenes with 
everybody else is polished and pretty right. front, you know, stage projection of what things yeah. are. And it's unfair, you know, yeah. um, and and things typically aren't nearly as bad as we we uh, want to tell ourselves that they are. Or we think that they're bad compared to some, you know, just arbitrary standard. Like right now in the business, we're trying to get our profit margin up. I'm, I'm not happy with the profit margin. I want it to be higher. But like, I'm not happy with it. Like, why compared to who? You know what I mean? Like, I got this idea that it should be high. And I would like it to be higher. And it is something we're working towards. But it's just good to remember that that's like, it is truly an arbitrary thing that I came up with at the end of the day. Like, okay, we have this goal for the business for the profit margin to be this much. Cause you can get so caught up in I'm a huge failure because of the profit margin. And you're like, but you decided you were a failure. Just don't decide that. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it's funny. Um, we, we all tend to do this and I, I've been in meetings with business owners who had, you know, 50, $75 million a year businesses who mm. had hundreds of employees and they go through the same thing. Yeah. You know, they, it really doesn't matter the size of the business. Um, and, and often they're not any more enlightened about it than, um, you know, than somebody with a, a smaller business. And so uh, for me, I think just understanding that, uh, you know, it's useful to take a, a step back sometimes and, and like really ask yourself. And I think your questions are brilliant. You're like, okay, am I alive? Number one, am I alive? Am I, when I look down, the grass is still right. green. That's good. <laughs> You know, and, and just keep it to these basic things um, to me helps because as business owners, it's really easy for us to walk ourselves out onto the ledge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you talked about the, the stages that you've been through. You know, you started, started out as a, a freelancer, mm -hmm. then um, you had an agency, right? And then from there, now you've got a software company. Mm -hmm. How has it changed for you in terms of the kind of the growth you've had to go through to go from each of those stages? So for me, and I think for a lot of business owners, it's this constant process of not making yourself what I call the monkey in the middle, right? So when you first start out and you're a freelancer, well, you're not just the monkey in the middle. You're you're the only you're the only monkey in town, right? It's all it's all you all the time. Um, and then I think because you get used to that, most people when they start bringing in help, I know I did it this way. I didn't bring in help and say, okay, you do it. I brought in help and I said, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do, and then you're going to do it, and then I'm going to check over it and make sure you know you did it the exact way that I wanted you to do it. So it's like you're saving a little time sometimes or just sort of creating more work and there's this evolution from you know you doing things to you delegating and checking on things to you releasing more control and then I think you can't really be a CEO I think you can't really have a team until you've really taken yourself out of that monkey in the middle role right people aren't asking you about every decision you're not approving everything and it's a gradual process for me I have a mark marketing background. So that's the part of the company that I'm the most attached to and where I'm constantly working, you know, on, on not being the monkey in the middle um, in marketing. So it doesn't just happen overnight, but that's, that's always what I'm looking at. You know, where am I blocking the company? Where am I limiting the company thinking that everything has to come from me or, or be my idea? Yeah. And so in, in, in your evolution here, you've built a software company. I assume you're not a programmer. By that's time. right. I'm okay. not. So, you, you know, maybe you have an advantage there because, in, I, you know, for a lot of folks, 
who will sort of make that transition from very small business where they're doing everything to bigger version of the small business. It's still doing the stuff that they knew how to do. And it's yeah. difficult to disconnect. Um, but I, I think that's one of the keys is when you can flip that switch. And so you're not just taking the stuff you used to do and giving it to somebody else. Mm. You're actually hiring people that are smarter than you in some other areas. And they're coming up with the ideas and they're yes. beginning to drive things. That's when you know you've got a business that's going to go somewhere, I think. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right that it's actually been a huge blessing not being a developer because I can't fix it when it breaks. I don't have the temptation to do it myself. I have no idea what to do if the software goes down, right? Other (laughs) people have to handle that. And yeah, it's forced me to have huge areas of the business that I'm not super closely involved in in that way. Yeah. Well, and I, and again, I think that's, that's a huge help as you're trying to build something that, um, that'll function as a true business rather than Mm -hmm. just an extension of you, um, to, to be able to give yourself that space. Uh, what was it like the first time you had to hire somebody that was going to go do a job that you didn't know how to do? Was that a little scary? I mean, I I find it really liberating. I mean, not to say, you know, obviously that it is just easy every time, but um, I'm definitely the type of person that is happy to to delegate things. And I think when I first truly realized, because I think at first I sort of had this limiting belief that other people couldn't do things. And when I finally <laughs> stupid that was, right? The billions of people in the world, lots of people can can do things, not just me. Um, when you really embrace that other people can just take things over, it's so liberating. And it's something I still am super grateful for every day, just the stuff I hate to do. You know, now I don't have to deal with any of the um, stuff about, you know, administering benefits to the company and figuring out our health plans and doing the paperwork for, we are a remote company, so our employees are in tons of different states. So there's like all this paperwork to keep up with. And when I see that stuff go past my desk and I'm like, someone else did this. That makes me so, so happy. I'm so glad that there's people that enjoy doing <laughs> these types of things. It it feels great. And it's so freeing to really give that responsibility to someone else and, and let them own it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and congratulations to you for, uh, you know, having the guts to do it. Not everybody does. And we work with yeah. a lot of different businesses and, and some business owners just have a really, really hard time letting go of that stuff. Um, and the closer it is to, to, you know, their wheelhouse, the harder it is for them yeah. to let go of. They, and, uh, it just, it's such a great feeling. I'll never forget my first company. Um, and we got up to, to a little bit bigger than you are now. And in terms of of number of employees, but it was just, it was so awesome when we got to the point where I had some folks who were really, really good at what we did and Mm -hmm. I could just leave. Yeah. I would leave and I'd come back and like stuff was done and it was done better than I would have done it because they had a better idea than I was going to come up with. Um, And it's just, it's really amazing to watch that evolution and it's fun to watch people grow into that. Um, Yeah. So something that was sort of unique for me is I was actually pregnant when we launched Edgar. And so I knew I would be taking maternity leave in the company, right? So we launched in July 2014. My son was born in January 2015. Um, and I decided to take three months leave totally off, which I did. Um, you know, in the first in the, in the first year of a business, it's a really unusual thing to do. And then I worked part time for the next year after that, too. And 
man, I would just advise everyone to be pregnant when they <laughs> launch their business. <laughs> that worked for about half of us listening today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, because it's such a great constraint when I was building, right? So when we're launching Edgar's, I'm like, okay, well, I know I'm going to have a baby, right? So I know in six months, I'm not going to be here to do everything. So in retrospect, it really forced me to build a structure much earlier than I maybe would have for things, you know, like the product and customer service and the operations of the business. Maybe if I hadn't been pregnant, I would have thought, oh, I'll work with that person to decide how to do it. Since I knew I wanted to be totally out, I'm like, I'm not going to be involved with customer service. Like, I'm just going to have someone do that so that they don't ask me questions. They need to be able to do it totally on their own, right, for that period while I'm gone. And that worked out. Yeah, that's awesome. Great Great story. Um, you know, if you can engineer it, I guess go get pregnant before you start the business. But, um, but yeah, great story and congratulations on getting there. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be more uh, back with more from uh, Laura Roder in just a second. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute. But what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review. Rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Steve Gordon, and I'm, I'm here with Laura Roeder. And uh, Laura, you've built a successful company and, uh, and, and really, frankly, a, a great tool in Edgar. Um, we use it. Um, it's, it's what kind of powers our social media. And I'd love to, to talk for a little bit about how you came up with the idea, the, some of mm -hmm. the process that you went through to, to, you know, build that out and, um, and some of the great things that you guys are doing right now. Yeah. So the software actually came directly from my training business before. So before I launched Edgar, I had online classes, training entrepreneurs about how to do social media marketing effectively. And I had this realization, why are people creating new, you know, multiple pieces of new custom content every single day, day in and day out, throwing them away every day to start from scratch the next day when you look at your numbers and what's called your reach on social. Um, these days, it's usually about 5%. It's really low of the people that follow you will see any given thing that you you know, tweet or Facebook or whatever it is, like five to 10%. So it really doesn't make sense to send out an update once to 5% of your audience and then just never send it out again. And it creates just a huge amount of work, especially for a small business owner that doesn't have the, you know, 20 person marketing and online media team working for them. So I started doing this methodology and teaching it to my clients of create a library of content that you repeat, right? Especially for things like your blog posts, your podcasts, things that are, which most small businesses, most of this content is what's called evergreen, as in still useful. It's always green, right? Still useful in the future. Most small businesses are not doing investigative journalism where they're writing a story that's <laughs> hot today and useless tomorrow, right? right? They're writing about best practices, telling stories about customers, whatever. So most of the content is still good years later. So why not create a library of all that content and then cycle through it over and over again? So I was teaching people to do this. I had this proprietary little spreadsheet. And at the time, what I had to do was copy and paste the spreadsheet you know, each update, copy from the spreadsheet, put it in the social media scheduling tool. And 
I had to do it over and over <laughs> again every week. And I'm like, this is bananas. Like, why doesn't my social media tool store my social media updates? Much less, like, send them out again and again. I just, I'm like, at least give me a library, which that's actually been really surprising that more of our competitors haven't just taken that library aspect at the mm -hmm. least. Like, so many of the major tools still don't even have a library, which is so weird to me. Um, so... This is, you know, if you don't use Edgar, this is what Edgar does. This is what I was teaching people to do. And the way it really became software is my husband, Chris, is a software developer. And I was just sort of complaining to him, like, why do I have to copy and paste all the time? Why do I have to do all this manual work? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I could build software that does that. And I said, great, good idea. Let's let's build it. And, and that's how the company started. Wow. Yeah. And. Um, uh, you weren't the only one feeling that pain. Uh, right. I can tell you because we we were feeling that pain. Um, you know, at probably at the same time, um, and uh, it's a it literally is a pain in the in in yeah. the backside to yeah. have to do that. And and with all the different places that you've got to be active on social to be in front of your audience wherever they are, um, not automating it, I think, is just a huge huge mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and I get asked all the time because we 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 use Edgar. We've talked about it with with our clients and they go, well, isn't somebody going to get upset that they've seen it twice? Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, you know, what's it? What are the odds? What yeah. are the odds that Facebook is going to show it to them again? Because only five percent of them see it. And they probably were scrolling through looking for cat pictures anyway. So, right. <laughs> you know, so they skipped over our, our article. Um and, you know, and so it's just crazy not to do it, I think. Um, well, and if people, so yeah, people, this is so common. People say, well, won't people be upset? Also, what if someone does see it twice? Like as the business owner, we have this idea that people are going to be angry if they see us post the same blog post twice, which is just makes no sense when you think about it. I mean, if you think about, first of all, what it means to go viral, right? right? That means that you see it everywhere. It means you see the same link in 20 different places and you finally click one of them because you've seen it so many times. Yeah. Like that's what going viral means. And we're like, oh, what if they know that we sent out our blog post more than once? <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah right. I think they expect you to do that. Have you ever watched TV? Right. I mean, right. it's not new commercials every day. Right, right. Know? So yeah, it's a, it's a really unfounded fear. If people always worry about it for their own business, if you start observing how you, you use the internet, you see the same content all the time. You often follow someone on Twitter and on Facebook and you read their email newsletter and you're still lucky if you come across their latest blog post out of all those sources, right? And you certainly yeah. don't mind that you see it all the places if you do. Well, and I think one thing that's really, really important and, and one of the things that, that Edgar helps with is allowing you to be in all of those places yeah. um, all the time because, you know, from the customer's perspective, if they're following you, they actually want to see your stuff yes. and it reinforces the story that they have in their head about you that, okay, I'm following Laura. She's somebody worth following. And the, the reason that she's somebody worth following is because I keep seeing her everywhere. So she must mm -hmm. be important. And mm -hmm. you've got to create that experience for your customers, whether that's on a big, big scale or if you're a little tiny local business. I mean, my wife has this little boutique that she loves to shop in and they're just, I mean, they fill up her Instagram post. Mm. They fill up mine too, because I have to follow it. Cause so I know what <laughs> she likes. So I know what to go buy for, you know, birthdays and Christmas. But, um, I mean, they're, they'll post 20 different things at a time. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't think that they're maybe may recycling some, but you can be there a lot and it's okay. Yeah. And, you know, you pointed out something that I think people often overlook is that social media is all opt in, right? Everyone who follows you on social has chosen to be there. So when someone follows our Meet Edgar account, they want to buy or have already bought social media software, right? It does not say free pizza. It says <laughs> Meet Edgar social media automation tool for small businesses. And we get nervous about like, I don't want to bombard them. I don't want to overwhelm them. I don't want to be too spammy. I don't want to promote myself. Like they're obviously the only reason they are there is to engage with your business, right? You showed them what the page was about. So yeah, give them lots of content about your business. That's what they want. So what are, you know, what are some of the things that that your most successful clients are doing inside of, of Edgar and with their social media? What, what do you feel like is making the difference right now? So it sounds so simple. And I think some people are a little nervous about it, but you probably should be posting more than you are is what we often see. People get nervous about posting too much. And it's something you can always experiment with, right? You can always dial back, but it's just the nature of how fast social moves that if you're posting more, you're giving people more opportunities or doing things like posting in other time zones, right? If you have customers in Asia, you are on opposite time zone from them. And maybe they see very little or nothing of what you post, especially on a platform like Twitter, which is just chronological, right? So um, it sounds really simple, but should usually post a little more than they do. Um, people need to also remember, like I said, to not be afraid to be promotional. I don't know if it's just the people that we attract at Edgar. I think some, there's like the business owners that go crazy with like the all caps, all promotion all the time <laughs> that are doing it too much. And then our customers tend to be the, I don't wanna bother anybody like type of people. And remembering that it's okay to tell people what you sell, right? Mm -hmm. So of course you're gonna do a lot of linking to your free content, to other people's blog posts and free content. Like that's gonna be, the majority of your social media updates. But also, you know, like the boutique you mentioned, like take a picture of your merchandise, mm -hmm. tell people that you're having a sale on Friday, tell people that you're having an event, um, link directly to your opt-ins, right? If you have a business model where you're giving people a white paper or whatever in exchange for an email address, link to that directly on social media regularly. Mm -hmm. it, it, this is something that people often never send out on social. And it's really hard without a tool like Edgar mm -hmm. to make sure you're doing it every week, every month, whatever. You know, we have a free ebook about blogging that people love. That's really popular. We see an increased rate to customer conversion when people have looked at the book. To me, I'm like, it's on our blog. We have like an annoying slide up, right? Like everybody knows about it. Like, no, <laughs> most people do not know about it. Most people have not read it. You need to tell people directly, we wrote this awesome book. It's really useful. Maybe you would like to read it. Um, these are just easy things you can do to get more leverage out of social media. Yeah, well, and, and I think you make good points there. I mean, we we tend to hold back because the I think the perception is that on social, at least with the organic posts. It's one thing if I'm going and buying ads, right? Right. But with the organic posts, you have that that perception that we're at a cocktail party. Yeah. And you don't want to be the guy at the cocktail party who cornered you about Amway. 
you know, and stuffed his card right. in, in uh, nothing against Amway, but you know, whatever it is and stuffed his card in your, in your pocket. Um, you want to be a little cooler than that. But, um, but while there is, I think that kind of vibe on social, I mean, when I get on Facebook, I'm, I have yet to be offended by an ad. And in right. fact, some of that stuff I actually find kind of interesting and I click on yeah, and I go and it's useful. So and I think you have to rem- I think you have to remember that you're promoting a business, right? We're talking today about social media as a marketing channel. And I think the reason that gets a little lost is because people are also using social for fun, right? Facebook is a huge channel to promote my business. And it's where I see the latest picture of my nephew and go, oh, he's so adorable, right? Like I do both of those things right. on Facebook. So I think sometimes people are feeling a little weird being like, oh, I'm straight up promoting my business. And, and that's why it's so important, like I mentioned earlier, create separate entities for your businesses, mm-hmm. right? So it is true that a lot of people make the mistake of promoting their business on their Facebook personal profile, which just doesn't make any sense from a marketing perspective. Like those people don't want to hear about your business. <laughs> They're not your customer. You know, I got a message from a family member the other day asking me to like, you know, write a review of her horse business. I'm like, I have never, I love you. I have never interacted with your horse business. I don't live where you live. I don't know anyone who does, right? Like I am not a good prospect to promote for you. You know, you want people who actually liked the page, who are interested in your horse business. So you do have to draw that line, right? Use your personal profile for the fun stuff, for the sharing, for the connecting with people. But for your business accounts, yeah, the reason that they exist is to market your business. And yes, marketing means more than just shouting at people, stuffing the business card in their pocket, right? You're also providing value, providing content. But at the end of the day, the reason that you're spending time on social is your customers for your business. Yes, absolutely. So have you seen any any big trends in terms of the platforms. I know they're always changing. Mm. Um, you know, Facebook has, has had a, a big lead, particularly in terms of, of uh, advertising, but in the different forms of posts that you can put up there. Yeah. Um, what, what do you feel like is changing right now? Where should people be focusing? Well, all the platforms love um, video and images right now, especially video. So I think the way to think of it as an entrepreneur is the platforms always have things that they want you to do and you sort of have to measure that against the best use of your time. So right now, Facebook and Instagram really want you to create live content. They really want you to create, you know, stories on Instagram that expire in 24 hours, which I think does not make sense for 99.9% of small business owners. That's just like, that is a lot of content for no lasting impact, right? You know, after and, it's gone, and probably really small reach, right? In that time, yes, yes, very small reach. So I think sometimes people get sort of swept away and like, oh, well, Instagram will, you know, rank you better. Facebook will rank you better if you're doing videos or live videos. So it's it's kind of nice to play with. Okay, if I do, so um, I've been playing around with uh, Facebook Live and I'll just do, sometimes I'll just hop on for five minutes and say like, we have a new blog post, here's what it's about. And it's interesting to see, okay, does that help our engagement with other posts when I do that? And it, it can help because Facebook's rewarding you for what it wants you to do. But you really just have to be mindful that this is a marketing strategy for your business 
doesn't matter if Facebook wants you to do all live video, if that's going to take you eight hours a day, you know, I don't think you're going to get that kind of reward for your business. So I think, you know, look at the trends of what's ranking well. I mean, the cool thing is so many people don't utilize their own analytics. You can go into all the platforms and they give you really detailed data about what posts are doing well and who's looking at them. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go crazy analyzing it, but like once a month, you know, look through your top performing posts. If it's videos, okay, maybe you put that in your rotation more. With Edgar, you can post a video straight from Edgar. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, you're spending just creating three videos so that you'll have them to keep cycling through. So, you know, you want to pay attention to trends to a degree, but I always warn small business owners, like, you do not have the bandwidth (laughs) to totally jump on every trend out there. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, we've um, we tell our clients just pick pick like the one or two. Like mm-hmm. if you get to three, that's probably too many. Whether it's <laughs> social media or any other way of get, you know generating yeah. interest in the business, because until you've mastered those and really got those working, which always takes a little bit of time, you know, it's going to be hard if you try to do ten at once. Right. Like, good luck at getting any actual results. I mean, sooner yeah. or later, you know, the employees want to get paid. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and something has to happen to facilitate that, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree that it's much better just to focus on one channel, actually figure out how to do it, actually get a good strategy there or have the time to be able, you know, to engage enough there that people know you there, know you're going to be there. That's so much better than being a little bit everywhere. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. You know, we've mentioned this little boutique in here in, in Florida. Um, and they only post on Instagram mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they're, you can't, they do have a Facebook page. It is a ghost town. Yeah. I mean, it's a total ghost town. They haven't updated it probably in three years, but, um, you know, when they post something I've noticed when they post on Instagram, um, if they're having a sale on a Saturday or something, I mean, that place is packed, mm. you know, and of course I'm, I'm there, you know, carrying my wife's bags, but you know, that, <laughs> But it works, and and yeah. I think their focus because they're able to go deep, um, it's it's making an impact, and and uh, that's the one thing that that uh, I think is really critical. And and what's been interesting in using Edgar, and uh, as we've used it, you know, we have a real focus on LinkedIn, but mm-hmm. it's allowed us to be present elsewhere without doing any more work. So yeah. even though that's not our focus, we can still be over here. And so it doesn't look like a ghost town when right. somebody shows up, if that's their preferred platform, um, even though our active focus is somewhere else. Yeah. And it's just a nice way to have just like a little stream of, of passive traffic. So mm-hmm. for me, the one that I don't pay attention to is LinkedIn. <laughs> that's the one right. where, you know, if I didn't have Edgar, I wouldn't really be on there. But because I do have Edgar, it's like, yeah, might as well turn Edgar on, post my stuff to LinkedIn. And it's fascinating. You go look and I'm getting traffic, like people comment, people mm-hmm. share the articles that I post with just literally no no work at all. Right. So it's just something where you truly can like press a button. Obviously, if you're not focusing your strategy there, it's not going to be like millions of visitors overnight, but it's going to be something that you didn't mm-hmm. have before. Just steady stream of traffic to your site. Yeah. Well, and you know, most businesses don't need millions of visitors. Most everybody mm-hmm. sees these big hyped stories, but you know, for the vast majority of businesses, you know, if they're getting some traffic and they're getting, you know, unless it's maybe retail, but for any business that's selling any kind of service, usually if they're getting an additional 10, 20, 30 customers a month, 
that yeah. can be all they could ever handle, you know? Yeah. Um, so you don't have to look at these crazy numbers that are out there. It doesn't take all that much. Yeah. And, you know, I love your boutique example because it also points out the bar is so low for so many businesses, right? They're <laughs> yeah. probably the only locally owned boutique in town that's doing anything on Instagram. I mean, I was just thinking, I follow a rug company here in Austin. I bought this beautiful oriental rug from them and I noticed they had an Instagram. I'm like, oh, I like I like pictures of, of pretty rugs. Mm -hmm. And like, now there's no way I'm going to buy from someone else because I see all the all the cool rugs and I I like them. You know, I've formed sort of an affinity for their company through following them on Instagram and most local businesses and even service businesses. Right. Like how many CPAs are doing any blogging, like anything with the Internet right. at all, just doing this bare minimum. Yeah. You don't have to have millions of people liking your page. You don't have to blog four times a week. If you blog once a month and you're consistent with it and you have a presence on LinkedIn and nothing else, like right. you will be doing better than most of your competitors. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, right now, as we record this, the uh, Congress in the U.S. is debating a new tax bill. I mean, mm. what a perfect time if you're a CPA to yeah. do a five minute live stream. Here's what changed today and mm -hmm. how it might, you know, here's who it's going to impact, you know, um, just little things like that. Um, can can have a, a big impact, but uh, there's I mean we could go on forever. I I love this stuff. I know you're passionate about it. Yeah, we could probably sit here and talk for hours, um, and I know your time is valuable, so I don't, I don't want to uh, steal any more of it. But um, where can people go? What's what's the best place for them to begin finding out a little bit more about Edgar and 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 maybe uh, finding out a little bit you know and getting educated on the strategies they should be using. Yeah, so go to meetedgar.com. Uh, we have a really great blog. The whole angle of our blog is really breaking down what's happening on social, all the changes, all the trends so that it applies to the small business owner. Because you read this stuff about Facebook changed their algorithm or like like I said, you have to do live video and you start panicking, you know, are they oh not going to show any of my <laughs> posts if I don't do live video? So that's kind of what we specialize in our blog read through all the news, read through all the boring help documentation that Facebook has published and say, okay, if you are a small business owner or a solo business owner, does this actually affect you? How can you make the most of it? So I think a lot of listeners would find that really valuable. Um, you know, we're me and Edgar on all the social platforms and uh, you can find me on Twitter at LKR. Perfect. Well, we'll go ahead and, and link uh, to meetedgar.com in the show notes for anybody that's listening and wants to find a link for that. It'll be in the show notes. Laura, thanks so much for investing some time with me. This has been a lot of fun and, uh, and I appreciate everything that you've shared. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.